Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Sass and Sage. I'm Dylan Vigre with Lynn Wilson, and this week we are excited to have back on the show Kayla Kagelnik. Apparently, she loved this so much the first time, <laughs> she's back a second time. Can't get welcome enough. Back. Can't get enough. We, were, we went through all of the episode ideas that we have for the show. It's a very long list, and... <laughs> A lot of them are design oriented, so you very likely you're just going to continue being on the show, whether you like it or not. So I will be here. Okay. <laughs> call. <laughs> so this week we so when you're first on the show, we talked about just design in general, the mm-hmm. best practices, the the rules of thumb, the tidbits, all of those things for business owners to understand. This week, we thought we would pivot over to web design specifically in how web design can go to hell really quickly. Mm-hmm. And basically, why web design is so important, how to strike a proper balance between design and functionality, the importance of your mobile experience, and then kind of all tied together why web design, like why having your website designed is expensive it's an investment how all those things relate together so i guess maybe to start kayla i'd be interested in hearing from you like what would be the one thing a trend for lack of a better word that you've seen with very poorly designed websites that you wish you could just like like squash like be done with oh boy so a bad trend let's think there's there's many um (laughs) But the worst, um, I would probably say just like a sheer lack of, I don't know, regard for a user. Some people design to design, which I think we talked about in the last podcast, and doing that on a website is a bad way to go. <laughs> I mean, that will send your website into a horrible spiral. Um, so I think, I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily a trend, but it's something that happens probably too often um, and it can have a very large impact on a website. Can you dive into that a little more? Like, what do you mean when designing for just the design versus like functional design, which is what Mm -hmm. we talked about a little bit last episode? Yeah. So I think there's a few layers to it. Um, And one would be taking into account your user. Um, There's so much more to, making a design than designing like, okay, I'm going to give this person five web pages. I'm going to make them all for desktop and they're going to go on their merry way with a website design. That's really not how it should be, but that is how it often goes. Um, And people kind of neglect like, all right, let's sit down and let's think about the person who's actually going to be using this site um, and how they're going to use it and how they're going to move throughout the page and, you know, how they're going to read the content. A lot of times people don't think about that and they're just designing a website that they think is going to look really pretty. And they're just hoping that based on looks alone, somebody's going to interact with, you know, the parts of the website that they want them to interact with, which is not usually the case. Design alone is not going to do it. Um, You have to think about the content and the usability of the website, as you mentioned. Well, don't you think that they're afraid or some people are afraid of having it look too much to the same. I mean, how do you balance? Because I mean, a website is, it's, there are certain things that just have to be the way that they are, right? You can't just put things anywhere you want just because I want to try and be unique and different. 
So I think sometimes they they may try so hard to make it special mm -hmm. and look different that they forget that you maybe it just has to be the way that it is because that's the best thing for the user not and it doesn't have to be so different. Right. That's a design thing in general, I think, is sometimes simplicity is key. Um, trying so hard to make something happen is going to feel forced. Users are going to be able to tell that you tried really hard to make something work and just maybe see that it didn't necessarily work out. Um, so I don't think that, you know, people should always try so hard to make something work. If it has to be, you know, a certain way, then work within those limitations and do the most you can with what you're given there. Um, and just try and maximize what you can do there without forcing it to be something that it's not going to work out to be because chances are what it's going to end up as if you're trying to force it to be something, it's going to malfunction. Maybe it's not going to show up on some screen sizes in the way you want it to. And that can have a really negative impact. So just kind of working with the tools that you have and kind of working with what it was meant to be, I think sometimes is the answer. So I think that one of the shortcomings that I've at least seen when I've gone on websites and stuff, uh, maybe apart from just like them looking terrible, <laughs> is the is to circle back, like overcomplicating the core actions that you want the user to take. I forget what the adage is, but like you don't want your core actions like contacting or going to or completing the CTA to be more than two clicks away. And I've been on websites before where there's like three levels of flyout menus and you have to, and it takes up the entire oh. screen and you're having, as soon as you move your mouse the wrong the way, you, you cannot get it to everything disappears. It's functionality back yes. here. So do you think that it is just people not realizing that you do have to think that deep, you do, you do have to put yourself into the shoes of the user and you have to think outside of like how you would function with the website because how you may use it as a designer not always does not always correlate to how an actual user will. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's an important step in any web design probably to have somebody else look at the design and see, ask them, how would you move throughout this page? And you can even do a test to kind of see where they click on it and where they navigate naturally um, to see kind of how a normal user who's not yourself, who, you know, maybe designed the page would use it. Um, like I said, it's just something that people don't really take into consideration. And so if somebody goes on your site and they're like, oh my gosh, I, I just can't figure out what I'm supposed to do. There's so many things, there's so many buttons and I can't find the one that I'm looking for. They're going to leave your site. They're going to get frustrated and they're not going to want to interact with anything. So I do think people overcomplicate things and just try so hard to include as much information as they can, which ends up just convoluting the message and confusing the user. Which is a recipe just for overall disasters. <laughs> okay, so. Well, I think that goes to the importance of the website, right? Like you need to remember that it's not, it isn't just like a brochure or something like literally this is the hub for your right. business. So having it be, usable and attractive and do all those things is of the utmost importance. So it does, it's important that you spend the time and the money to get it right instead of just trying to do it quick or quick. Not. Yeah. Or just making it look good. Yeah. Right. Those aren't 
that's not going to lead to an actual good website that's going to get you the conversions that you want. Well, Lynn and I have mentioned in some of our previous discussions how all of your marketing efforts lead back to your website. That, that, like Lynn just said, it's your hub. So time and time again, Lynn and I have seen from analyzing data, from analyzing companies' campaigns that, for example, they may have a very, very high CTR or engagement rate on their advertising on Facebook, for example, but they have zero conversions. And like that immediately tells you that where you're sending them is just not clicking. And nine times out of 10, that quote unquote not clicking is caused by just very poor designs. So maybe it'd be beneficial to talk about, first of all, if we're looking from like the business, like small business point of view, like we're not talking about huge enterprise level websites. We're really talking about, you know, five to 10 page websites and everything that are just there to describe the business, perhaps have some resources on it. So what would you say are like the biggest things to take into consideration or the biggest things to do and the biggest things to avoid? So I think with a smaller website like that, people are often going to try to cram a lot of information in there because they know that they don't have a lot of pages to kind of spread that information across. And at the same time, those people might not have as much maybe marketing experience or business experience to know that it does take good content and user, you know, thought on user experience to get someone to stay on the site and to interact with things. So they might just try and cram a ton of information onto say the homepage. And that's just going to end up, like I said, convoluting the message and confusing the user. So I think that that's something to avoid, you know, spreading the information out across the website in a thoughtful way and making sure that there's a natural progression and a natural story being told um, and knowing, having the user know where to click and when to click. I think that's something that people should really take into consideration, you know. It doesn't all have to be upfront. Let them take a little bit of a journey, interact with things. Um, and if your content supports that, then they'll find their way to, you know, the message that you want them to get to if it's not, you know, put up front. So I think getting too cluttered on the homepage and just in pages in general on those small websites is, you know, a huge mistake. And people will try and just put too much information on there, which is just overwhelming. Right, because I feel like everything needs to be on the homepage where you come. I need to tell them everything right now. And then- right, while I have their attention. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the strategies that I've seen, I've noticed that over the past couple of years has started to become more common is the use of like what I would do, like navigational pages, particularly mm-hmm. like the homepage, but then also the pages that are directly accessible from the nav bar where, in your words, Kayla, like when users land on that page, it is not content heavy. They are simply jumping off points to go to longer form pages on the website. And the benefits of that are twofold. One, it allows them to go at their own pace, naturally progress through all mm-hmm. the content you have. But for the SEO side of things, you know, websites are home to SEO and are very focused on content. That's what drives your rankings increase it allows you to have longer form content deeper in your website, not directly accessible from the nav. It lets users reach that when they're ready to reach that. And then you look at the data. I was just looking at one website the other day and a user who converted went from 
the home page to the services page, and then they were a commercial customer. So they clicked the commercial services section on the services page and then went to the commercial page, which is much more in depth and then converted on that. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's a natural user journey. They didn't just do it on the home page because you can't put that much information on it. It's just gonna be overwhelming. Right. And I think, you know, sometimes it might be a little bit more difficult to think about that content and to think about that experience if you're not, you know, a writer, or if you're not a user experience designer, but just talking to people and asking them, like I said, how they would naturally react to some things or how they would naturally move throughout something might be a really easy way to do that and to just get yourself thinking about that a little bit more than you might be if you're just thinking about the design and your head is so, you know, set on what it needs to look like and what needs to be there. Just taking that step out and talking to somebody else about it might be, you know, have a huge impact. Yeah, because when we talk about like wanting to have long content on the website, we mentioned in our SEO episode, you know, for blog posts, especially the the length you're looking for is like 1500 words, but that is not 1500 words in one paragraph. Like yeah. these are, these are long pages where you're having design elements, whether it's imagery or icons or just mm -hmm. a lot of white space, you know, and you're breaking out that content throughout. You don't have to have it all crammed in one. Yeah. If element. I see a huge paragraph on a website, like I'm running for the hills, I'm not yeah. going to read it. So it needs to be broken up with, you know, some imagery, like you said, and just have some visuals to support it. I think not only does that look better on a website, um, but it also, it's going to support the message more and have some kind of visual impact and maybe make more of a connection for them. Like, okay, I'm reading this and I see this. So them together, you know, has more of an impact on me and it makes the message a little bit more clear. Well, what's, what's the, um, the rule when you, to take in information, if you see it visually or to read it, like you can, um, you know, you can tell a lot of story in just the visual. So sometimes if you see it, you can, um, you can communicate it better yeah. instantly in a visual than if you had to read the whole thing. So if, if you are on a website like and, and you have like a tiny attention span, you can at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some people just naturally are more visual learners. And so if you know that maybe that type of person is, you know, in your audience, that's a good point to include things like that. And also some subject matter is just it lends itself better to visuals than it does to long form content and reading a ton. So um, I think it is important to, you know, when you're thinking about what this page is going to have on it, think about would this be better represented as a visual or could this be improved with an image of some sort? Um, it's just going to enhance the message and the user's experience. For the flip what? side, Dylan, like if they, if they are so focused on SEO that they then just put words after words after words for literally no reason other than Correct. More and work. that becomes very noticeable. First of all, it turns off the users and right. makes them run for the hills. But it also, Google's gotten a lot better now. We're like cramming, like anything that's not quote unquote natural is a red flag. Like Google's so smart now that they want you to write in a way that is easy to understand that's going to be to the point and that users are able to find the answers they're looking for, gain the information they're looking for about, you know, at being in a graduate school lecture, <laughs> you know, as you're reading. So correct. Yeah. You have to be able to strike that balance between 
not enough content on there or insane amount of content that make the website unattractive. Yeah. Right, at the end of the day, so what if, if you do great and people search and come, they're going to go, they're going to go away. So at the end of the day, they're not going to do what you want. So you aren't going to get your result. Mm -hmm. What would you say, Kayla? So one of the things I think we touched on a little bit ago is that businesses want their websites to look different. And if you go on websites, they typically follow, particularly on the homepage, they follow a similar structure, right? Like you have a hero image at, and then you have typically like an introductory section, a few, I have to do a lot of arm gestures, like a few, <laughs> like 50, 50 sections or one third, two third is to go down. Lots of imagery, lots of call outs and resources, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason why you see that structure everywhere. Exactly. There's people aren't designing websites the same way for no reason. <laughs> yeah. And that's, the information you need to, you know, have an informative website and get your message across. You can't always be reinventing the wheel and creating a new way to communicate words on a web page. <laughs> like sometimes it's just not necessary. So yeah, I think that it's not always a bad thing that there's a similar structure. There's ways to stand out within that same structure. And that all comes down to your brand and kind of the visuals that you have on your website. So, you know, just because a lot of pages and home pages have that same layout it doesn't mean that they're all going to look the same and people shouldn't feel put in a box because of that structure um that's just more of an opportunity to stand out with your visuals it's almost like a a wireframe you know the wireframe mm -hmm. is typically similar if you go site to site but what that what fills in those spots on the wireframe is can be unique to your own business exactly. Yeah, a lot of designers will even use like the same wireframe to start some web projects and they all come out looking differently just because it really does come down to the design of it and how you use that space that is, you know, maybe already structured out. Well, in the time of responsive design too, because Google, you know, is crawling the mobile version of the website. So even though you have, a, you have an amazing desktop experience, only your human users are going to see that. Google is never going to actually see your desktop version. Your, your rankings are going to be based on your mobile version. But part of the reason why I think you see those 50-50 or those two-third, one-third sections is because those are really easily shifted to different screen sizes. They yep. can condense together. They can stack. They allow for much more fluid motion than others. Mm -hmm. but they still allow you to be creative and you and use them to your advantage. Right. And that goes back to kind of talking about um, how it's a wireframe and, you know, you can use it however you see fit. Um, it's just going to be based on the content you have in there. And that also goes back to thinking about the user. You know, if you're creating a homepage with a bunch of like full width horizontal sections when that stacks, like you're going to have to account for that on mobile. And if it doesn't work out well, and it doesn't, yeah. If your user's scrolling for five miles, they're not going to be happy. They're yeah. probably going to leave your site. So you have to consider those things. And yeah, some of those icon and text and image and text blocks, they can get a little bit old to see. But if you use them differently, they're a really good way to easily 
manipulate that for, you know, responsive web design. So through the projects that I've worked on with companies, often the biggest question I receive is A, why use a web designer? Like why actually hire someone to design the website wholly separate from building the site, Mm -hmm. like someone that's going to actually design it. And then B, why should I pay thousands of dollars for a website design and build when I can just use a drag and drop builder online for 20 bucks a month? Yeah. (laughs) And it's, I understand where the question comes from, but right. we know full well what happens when you go the inexpensive route. Yes. Sometimes the quick and cheap way is the answer, but this is not one of those times. <laughs> um, drag and drop can be beautiful. You can do some great things with it and it'll get the job done quickly. But like I said, Sometimes it's just not going to work for, you know, what you need it to for a whole website. That's not necessarily what you want. So I think the designer and web developer team kind of comes back to a fully functional website that doesn't really have much design in mind and a fully designed website that doesn't have the user in mind and the functionality of it. So you don't want a web developer to necessarily design your whole website and develop it because they're going to strictly be thinking about the function of it. They maybe don't have that much of a design background and don't know necessarily the best way for it to look or what colors would work best or things like that. Um, A designer would know those things, but they maybe don't have as much experience in knowing the functionality of it. They may not know as much about responsive design, and they also probably can't build your whole website. (laughs) So the team of those two different, you know, experiences is probably going to give you the best bet. It's going to give you a beautiful website that's going to look nice and have good visuals and having the, you know, developer on there is going to make it functional and make sure that it stacks properly. It works well on mobile. Um, So that pairing is really probably going to be the best way for people to go, even though it is an investment, it's definitely worth it because if you go you find a you know designer who's like, all right, I'll do, I'll design your website and I'll build it. It's going to be very cheap because I maybe don't have as much web experience. It's great to give somebody an opportunity like that, but then if it comes back and you get your website and you're like, this doesn't work, like things don't function, you know, forms aren't working properly, things like that that might come down to a developer, then that's a waste of money. So <laughs> you definitely need to take kind of the long term effects of choosing maybe the cheaper option or style over function into consideration. Lynn, from what you've seen, do you think that businesses like fully understand or realize the value that the, that their website provides them and hence the need for that investment upfront at the beginning of it? Or do they realize that like hindsight 2020 once like, you know, they're trying to scale up and they don't understand why they are not getting the conversions they want, why they're getting a lot of users coming to the website, but their bounce rate's really high. And, and then when like you open up their eyes to, well, it could be the fact that your website, either the design isn't good or doesn't function. And then like, then that connects the dots for them. Do you think they, like, how can they realize that value 
at the top, like the forefront of it. Right. I think it's by, like you said, starting at the beginning and thinking of all the things you're going to want this website to do. It's more than just a place to land when someone searches you on Google um, to find out what you do. That's, I think, way back when at the beginning, um, a website was literally just like a like your brochure that was online and basically would send people to that, but it was just to find out what you did. And then they would contact you another way. They would call you, they would do something. So literally it was just a way to be found and then get your information. So I think that there are many people that still are kind of thinking that they don't take it all the way to when they come on there, how do you send them through the funnel? Like the, the buyer's journey through the website and then what things do you want them to do along the way? Like, are there, is there a place where you'd like them to, Maybe do something and download a form here so you can capture their information and then you would nurture them further. And But that includes, number one, thinking that way at the beginning. So you have the pages structured in a way that they go through a website in a, in a thought-out pattern. But then also do you have landing pages that are there to um, be more defined in what you want them to do? Do you have... Um, forms that you can collect things like all those things. Otherwise you can get a third party web. I mean, you can get third party landing pages and get third party forms and you get that and you keep stacking other things on top on top. And so I think at that point you're, it's not going to look very, it starts nice. to get out of control and it, and it certainly won't function very well. Yeah. But so at the end of the day, you want to think about all these things and just tracking the metrics for all those things. Imagine if you had to track those metrics from all those different providers rather than one. So I, I think you have to think, Blogging. Are you going to blog? Are you going to, how is that going to work? What are you going to use that for? Um, I don't think those things go into the thought process beyond a website that has my logo on it and some information about my product. So I, mm -hmm. yeah, one of the things that Lynn and I have seen recently in the, in the few projects that we've worked on is that companies will come to us and they want, for example, help with content marketing or they want a way, they just want help with their marketing strategy, multi-channel approach. But the very first thing that we observe and tell them is that your website lacks design and functionality. And it's not just like, I think a lot of times people get turned off by that and they're like, well, they're just trying to upsell me. Yeah. They just want, they're not happy with just the fact that we've given them this business. They were, they're just trying to get more money out of me. But at least the way that Lynn and I see it is that we try to put your investment in your best interest. So you're paying Lynn or I to help you market your business. We know full well that you're not going to be able to reach that full potential that your marketing can do if, if you're sending them to this website that it's just not representing who you are. So mm -hmm. while you may not be in a position to reinvest in a new design and new structure for your website and everything, having that in the back of your mind of like, the results that you're getting through our marketing efforts, they can be a lot better if we were to address this one issue. So I, I think a lot of times we've, I've had a couple of projects like this where the very first thing we do is re is redesign and rebuild the website. And that helps to just jumpstart everything else. You're basically starting with a clean slate. You're able to go through the entire process to think out about what you want users to do on your website, what you want to accomplish, whether it's blogging. Like if you have a, website you want a blog well if you don't have a web, if you don't have a blog on your website if it's not a feature or it's not built into it then you right. can't blog 
you know, those are all questions that you need people who do this as their job, you know, the three of us Mm -hmm. who can help like illuminate your life and let you know, like, these are things that you should take into consideration for the long haul, knowing that a website's going to last a very long time and that your investment's going to pay off down the road. Yeah. Why would you, why would you drive so much business or or pay all this money to do um, this campaign to send them to a a website that's going to fall flat because it is not going to perform. So it, the way that Dylan said it does make much more sense if you can. Now, not everyone is in that can start over from a clean slate. Sometimes it's putting some duct tape on it in the meantime until you can get to that point. But you're right. You should have that first and then add fuel to the fire, not the other way around. I think that comes back to, you know, your website being the beacon of your brand. Like all roads lead back to your website. So you just have to think about it probably a little bit more than your other marketing material because everything's going to come back to this. This is going to be a very large part of your brand and it's going to be probably how people remember you is when they show up to your website, what's their interaction with that? What is their response to that? And how do they feel about your brand after they're on your website? That's what they're going to remember. Um, And so you just have to put a lot of thought into it. You have to think about, you know, how they're going to use it, what information they're going to take away from it. And just kind of how it made them feel. So, yeah, I think it all comes back to it. So you might as well put the effort into it or at least have it on your mind and not, you know, disregard your website as something that maybe you don't think is as important. Right, because wherever they see you, what are they going to do? They're probably going to Google you and go to your website. So even if you have other marketing materials, say, well, my other stuff is better or I'm going to do this one better and not worry about this one. They are going, they're going to find you on your website, right? Like they just are. Mm Mm-hmm. That is a really good just segue into the other discussion where I think a lot of times business owners, they don't know all the questions to ask or all the things to think about. Like they wear a lot of hats and like no one's asking for business owners to know like, well, if a user comes to my website and lands on the about page, what do I want them to do on the about page? Like all of those like logical strategic questions. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, you know, there are people out there who like are able to work with you to hear what you want, what you wish to accomplish for your website, and then like transition that into actual solutions for you that Mm -hmm. A, meet all your objectives and B, last for many years to come so that you have an opportunity to reap the ROI of this investment, knowing that it's going to be a large investment. Like you shouldn't gasp when you receive the estimate or the proposal from an agency that you are going with because if we can I can touch back on the using the drag and drop builders one of the builders I've used in the past when I was just starting out with web design and I did not know what I was doing <laughs> it is it is very easy to design on desktop but the quote unquote mobile version is extremely limited in terms of how you can do it and it doesn't exactly like it has like a thing now where it magically like comes together and stacks your elements based on like how your desktop version is but like you click that button somehow margins and padding just go out the window and everything's like smushed together so you end up basically where your desktop experience is fine but then your mobile experience is not good and 
that's how most people are going to reach you. I mean, 75% of people search on their phone. So they're going to probably go to your mobile version first. And if that's not working, then you are, you've lost your ability. Like one time, they're not going to come back. Would I love to sit people down and say, please go to this website on your desktop. It is lovely <laughs> and it will be a great experience. Yes, but that's just the truth is that a lot of people are accessing websites from their phones and that's how they're going to see it probably for the first time. So people definitely need to take that into consideration. And yeah, those drag and drop editors, like they just make a lot of assumptions and there's not a lot you can do about you know how it thinks it should look on mobile or on a tablet size. Um, so you're probably not going to be able to make as many customizations as you would like to and as are necessary to make that look good and give people a good experience on other screen sizes than desktop. And I will say that there is, when we, when we say that having your website is an investment, like there is a very large difference though between using an agency, like a big agency where you're going to pay you know, five figures for a website that is designed, but then custom developed, meaning that they're actually going in and coding these pages versus a website that is designed and uses WordPress as the foundation, but it takes like a theme that allows you to maintain some elements of drag and drop, but it's robust enough in a way where it's, you're able to make all the modifications you need to make it match the design, but also function on every sort of screen size. There is that theme between we're talking about. And while it's more expensive than the drag and drop builders online, you just pay a monthly subscription fee for that added power allows you to down the road when inevitably your needs shift and you want to try something new, you see a new marketing trend another company's doing, you want to do what they're doing. You can add it in. You, it's not. It's not like impossible to add to your site. You have basically an ecosystem that you develop at the beginning, and you're adding to it in the years to come. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's important to mention because I feel like a lot of people probably think that it is black and white. Like I'm either going to use drag and drop, or I'm going to have this completely custom coded website. And the reality is, there is something in between there. Um, and a lot of times, it's probably going to be a good solution for a large number of people. So. I think that's, you know, worth mentioning and worth considering for some people is there is an in-between there. Well, that's where you can take advantage of the design and make it so it doesn't look like every other, because there are drag and drops that you can tell which websites are made using that because its functions are so limited yep. that everything is going to end up looking a certain way just because that's how it has to be. And um, like you said, a, a designer can give you new ways to think about something but about the right things instead of trying mm -hmm. to because i think we've all seen like they try and name things different in the menu to be unique or they try yeah. like you shouldn't go messing with things just because or they want everything listed out and or they want nothing in the menu and so mm -hmm. um, you just need someone to advise you about the right things to be creative about and the things to leave the way they are because they are purposefully that way for yeah. a reason and you can push things for sure yeah. like I don't want to deter people people from trying to, you know, be innovative in their web designs and everything, but there again are just some things that are the way they are because they work and there's, you know, proof of that. So it's a fine line. <laughs> well, and just like animation, like used 
strategically and purposefully, it really stands out. If you see, if you go to a website and everything is moving around and every and different things are all over the place, I think sometimes that mm -hmm. gives you the opposite. Just like I guess we didn't talk about this, but like banners and pop-ups and all those these other sliders and the um, the exit intent things that come after you either scroll or have been there a lot. Like they are so desperately saying, "Don't leave!" Like do this and I don't think that that gives the impression a lot. Yeah, no. we we have been on one website in particular before mm -hmm. that when you land on this page, the the chat bot opens up with three duplicate messages that like <laughs> say hi. There's a cook, there's a cookie banner which is the size of like a thesis, like a doctoral thesis. <laughs> there's a pop up like coupon or savings ribbon at the top. There is a full like light box that takes up the screen about a resource. As soon as you drag up to the X to leave the page because you're very overwhelmed, there's another light box that appears that asks you not to leave. And <laughs> it is very over, it's very overwhelming. You just want to just curl up at a ball and just look away from it. It's sometimes more is not better. How to overstimulate your audience 101. Put 9,000 pop-ups on the homepage and that'll get a... <laughs> Well, desperation right. also is never an, an attractive quality in the company you're looking for. You're like, if you're right. trying that hard, it makes you a little scared. Like, what's the red flag? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess if you if you if you're on your website and you're like, you know, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna add in all of this stuff because it's gonna make me cool. That should be the first red flag. Like, as soon as, like if you're if you justify <laughs> if you justify adding something to your website just because you want it to look cooler or it's you're going to sacrifice look for ease of use by the user and i will say if we if we circle over to seo google will penalize you if you have an inordinate number of light boxes or other user intrusive things on your page because while those are easier to click away if you like if a light box appears on desktop you can click the x on mobile devices, it's always oh. impossible to find that X. I can never for the life of me find where that X is located to get off of it. It takes up the entire screen. You try scrolling and the page behind the light box scrolls, but the light box stays front and center. It's just, it's like you're in purgatory. You just, it's its like the seventh circle of hell. I had that today. I was just trying to get out of this pop-up that was on this website and I was clicking everywhere. I was hitting everything. I was like, somebody, Please help me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so funny because you're like, okay, everyone's leaving this page. What am I going to do about it? Will I make the page better? No. Why don't I aggressively tell them, no, don't leave? Like, why would that work? Like, I don't, I don't know how that. But that's help. a, but that's a great point about like how can business owners like know how their users are interacting with the page? Like, what, like how can they, how can they gain that knowledge? And there are tools out there mm -hmm. to like do that especially heat maps, like Hotjar is one that I use a whole lot where it's a integration you add to your website and basically it records user interactions and shows you, you know, how far down they're scrolling, what they're clicking on. It's really good at showing what they're clicking on. If it's not clickable, it could tell you that, hey, they really think this should be clickable and you can make it clickable. I see that a lot with like logos in the header where companies won't link those back to the home page. Oh, they want to go back to the home page. Yeah, and they'll click the logo just repeatedly, but it doesn't do anything because mm -hmm. it's not linked. Like, 
there are tools out there that can give you that insight. It's not a black box that you have to wonder if your users are using the site to what you're hoping or that they are. There are, you can gain that info. Yeah. So, but, so would you say, like, if you were to offer Kayla, like, the, the two takeaways, like, on your end, like, what one thing always to do versus one thing never to do with web design you have the entire you have the entire web design industry <laughs> no what pressure would, what, no pressure what would be the what would you leave it like what should be the two takeaways oh dear um <laughs> i would say always 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 be thinking about your user i know sometimes you want your website to be all about you all about your company but it's not it's about the person that's using it <laughs> um and never Put anything on your website, which we just touched on, for the sake of you thinking it's going to look cool, just with design, like how you're not supposed to design just for the sake of design. You need to have some kind of meaning behind it, whether it's, you know, some kind of rationale that you have, or if it's going to serve a purpose, like a functional purpose, there needs to be some kind of support there because just putting things arbitrarily on your website, it's not going to end well. It's either going to distract your user or, you know, it might be one of those things that it might distract them from the message because you have this spinning ball in your hero and that's all people are looking at and they're not reading your message or clicking on your CTA that's next to it because this graphic is so distracting because you thought that that would be really cool on your website. That's not <laughs> the way to go. So always keep your users in mind and never put anything on your website just for the sake of it looking cool. Those would be my two key takeaways we need to make like pillows or shirts out of those oh, and yeah. just have those be our our giveaway items there you go well that that's great i think that those are both very valid points both of which i don't think are known or talked about enough so probably very valuable takeaways in that way we should also touch on the fact that kayla's website will be launching soon she has her her mini one out there right now, which is, remind me what the domain is. The mini one is kaylakagelnik.design. The cool, the cool extension, not extension, whatever that's called, like .com, .org, whatever, that, I forget mm -hmm. what that's called. Um, but you do, have your, you do have your actual one coming out soon. So hopefully we'll have you on the podcast again where you can promote. Yes, you launched that. that one. But yep. if you are looking for web design or graphic design or really any design at all, be sure to hit up Kayla, because she will take your business's look and functionality and all of that stuff to the next level. You won't know what hit you once <laughs> Kayla, once Kayla, Kayla Roskigel that comes into your business. <laughs> My website is a Kayla website. It is. It Kayla's, is. Kayla's website forced me. I built, I built Lynn's site and mm -hmm. Kayla's designs Lynn's, but then also hers, because I built hers as well, have really forced me to learn how to like A, use CSS, but B, not just like whine and be like, we can't do this. Like and Kayla- Do it, you will figure it out. I know, like I I said that when I was building Kayla, so I'm like, yeah, we can't have this. And she's like, really? I'm like, okay. She like stares at me with like the deaf, with like the deaf glare. I'm like, okay, 
fine, I'll try. And sure enough, like 30 minutes later, I figured it out. So, yeah. I, but that like goes the images to... in my blog header, you're like, oh no, we can't do that. Yeah, and we can't like, do that. Kayla no, and I are can... like, oh, we can't. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's the guilt I feel. I just, <laughs> but it goes to show that you can take very versatile, beautiful, robust designs and turn mm -hmm. them. They can actually exist. You can, mm -hmm. you don't, they are not unattainable. And you don't need to sacrifice function for that. Correct. Yeah. You can have the best of both worlds. You basically need, you need, you need the dream team, the three of us for your business. That's right. Exactly. So, okay. Well, this was great. Thank you so much for Gail coming on. You know, the list of episode ideas you're on, most of them <laughs> involve you in some way. So yep. I'll be back soon. We'll try to, we'll try to space it out so you get a little bit of a breather in between. Okay. So thank you. Come back on again. Thank you all for joining us for SAS and Sage. We hope to see you again and have a great one. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of SAS and Sage. To learn more about what Lynn and I are up to, be sure to connect with us each on LinkedIn. You can also check us out online at sparkcreativecla.com and gingerdigitalmkt.com. We also want to hear from you. Drop us a line if you have a marketing topic you'd like to know more about. And be sure to share SAS and Sage with your fellow marketing friends as our audience continues to grow. We'll see you next time. Thank you.